0: That we've been dealing with the manifold grace of God and the and and, and to backtrack a couple of things for you. The word manifold is porikulos, and porikulos is a word means a variety of things, various ways, various shapes, colors, sizes, layers, and degrees. It's a word that's kinda used in the framework of the word sheep in the Bible. And um provotons, and Arneons, but the word sheep in the Bible is, is, is different degrees of, of individuals, whether it be physical, mental, uh, shapes, size, colors. Uh, we all have, we're, we're, none of us are alike. And so when you see the word sheep in the Bible, sometimes you think, well, he's just talking about perfect people. Well, aren't you glad he's not talking about perfect people because we would be left out of that? So the manifold grace of God is dealing with God, even though that God knows that it's going to take a variety of ways, various ways, different degrees, levels, stages, to deal with his people because we're all different. There's no one set thing that God uses universally to change your life. Not one. Yeah. And so the word manifold we learned last week, that it's God's grace that it can come to us in a variety of ways. That's how he comes. Now, matter of fact, a few weeks ago, we began with prevenient grace. as two Latin words, pre is before and vene is to come. And we found out it's the grace of God that comes to us before we're even aware that he's anywhere on the planet. And as Romans 5.12 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we found out a couple weeks ago that grace that God is talking about, prevenient, has been wanting us waiting for us, watching over us until the day we made our commitment to him. So we covered those bases. Last week, we talked about one of the hardest things for me to do as pastor here, besides just tolerate some of you, is the fact that what you go through when you go through seasons of struggles and difficult days. And let it be known today, we're all going to experience difficult times, every one of us. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Anybody that will tell you you won't go through anything, they're lying to you, straight up. And and so the idea, and I keep saying this, but don't wait for a godly president, and don't wait for a godly governor. And and a few years ago, that guy came to church and helped me here on stage for a while, and and when they took the Ten Commandments off the the premises of the the courthouse in, in Oklahoma, oh, I mean, some people about had a calico cat. Really? And then my response is, so what? So what if they took it off? And, and you, you thought, really, I just peeled back my hairline and showed you 666. Really? And I said, does your Christian foundation depend upon a, a tablet on the steps of, of the Oklahoma courthouse? You better get it in your heart. Yeah. You better prepare yourself. You better brace yourself. Because we are living in perilous times. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is going to, this is going to shock you, but the nation of, of America is in judgment right now. Right now. And you say, oh, that's impossible. The Egyptians did not know that God was judging them with plagues. They just said, oh, this time of year, they all come around. All the frogs show up. All the lies show up. Oh, we have a... And, and, and little did they realize that God was plaguing them to to get them to change and repent, and uh, this America, I mean, if you, I mean, we're not going to get off of this soapbox, but I mean, in the last two three years, this this whole nation is gone crazy, calling good for evil and evil good. And I'm not talking about in the courthouse; I'm talking about in the church houses, where we've legalized engaged homosexuals engaged to be clergy. Something is definitely wrong. Adultery is permitted. In the clergy, bestiality is legalizing Canada and some parts of the United States, and that's going to shock you, but that is true. Look it up. It's amazing. And not that we're not going to have problems. We are going to have problems, but I'm going to tell you, where somewhere we have to find some type of sanity, it should be in the church. should be. And it's going to be. And it's going to be. Whether, whether you like it or not, God's judgment is coming down upon this country. And if you don't believe it, just go fill up your car. I got approved from the bank to fill up my car today, and I felt pretty good about it. <laughs> but during difficult times, I've watched people in this church and people in surrounding churches not only question God's intention, but they question God's existence. The people that you thought would never do it. It took about three electric bills not being paid. It took took about two gas bills. It took two credit cards to to go into the max. And now that not only do they say, I don't know what God's doing. But not that you would ever do this, but you would do it. It's easy to reach a point where you say, I don't even really think God exists. Because if you're not careful, you can turn on the nightly news and they'll tell you that God doesn't exist. You can pick and choose a God, but the God Jehovah is just like any other God. So I wrote this question last week. Where was God during my painful past? Where was God when my marriage walked out the door? Where was God when my finances of my family failed? And where was God when the very thing that I prayed for the most did not come to pass? Where was God? And somewhere, as they slammed their fists down on my desk, they said, God is nowhere. I've heard them say it. The good news today for you folks is the manifold grace of God makes us fully aware that God is not only present in your life, but the manifold grace of God in, in various layers, degrees, colors, shapes, and sizes is participating in your life as well. So exactly what is this manifold grace of God? Manifold grace of God, we found out last week, is special moments in our everyday life as a believer when we feel and we are reminded that God loves us. And this can come in a variety of ways. It could come through a card in the mail. It could come through an audible voice sitting in the church pew. It it could come with a box of chocolate-glazed donuts, and when we understand before this series is over that the manifold grace of God can come to you and will come to you and has been coming to you every day of your life, then you will answer the statement that, that God is nowhere. You'll realize now that God is now here. So one of the ways that the manifold grace of God is here to remind you that he's always been in your life, prevenient grace. He was in your life when you gave your life to Christ, and through sanctifying grace, he'll continue to be with you until you leave this planet. So there's many ways, and we're not going to get to a bunch of them. I'll get to about two or three in the next couple weeks, and we'll move on. But the first grace we're going to talk about, the first layer, the first ways that God will come to us and allow us to see how he acts and responds and reacts and how he deals with us is how we are to deal with other people and it's through forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the central grace that God offers and deals between God himself and humanity. Forgiveness was instituted by God himself and the shape of the cross is that, first of all, we have a vertical line which represents God dealing with us. And then we have a horizontal line, and it's we dealing with others. And if God forgo- forgave us, then should we not forgive others? Now, you're saying amen, but this is, this, that's easier said than done. Because turn to somebody and say, well, you're not the easiest person to get along with. Well, you don't do that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus himself taught us that we should forgive those who have offended us, even as God has forgiven us. And matter of fact, he makes this statement. He uses the word trespasses, which is a little bit different than sins. But because no man has the ability to forgive another man's sin, S I N, but he used the word trespasses. That means that. You, you cross the line where we get a Greek word. You cross, you cross the line. But Jesus said that in order for God to continue to forgive you on trespasses, you're going to have to forgive other people. And heaven knows if you've been saved more than two days, there's a lot of people that love to cross lines in your life. Yeah. So we find out that forgiveness and confession goes hand in hand. First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, which is S-I-N-S's, which is trespasses, God is faithful to forgive us. Now, the verse before, the, verse 7 says that, that if, use the word S-I-N, but this is the word S-I-N-S's, and this means daily infractions that we incur, uh, either our relationship with God or I hurt your feelings some way or another. But the key is that if we confess our sins one to another, God is faithful to forgive us. And I'm going to tell you this morning, one of the most healthiest things that you can do is just simply confess our mess to God and ask him to forgive us. And then it goes beyond that. James chapter 5 verse 16 says that we need to confess our faults one to another in order to be healed. Now that's very important. Confess your faults one to another. He didn't say confess your faults to God. He said, confess your faults where we get a word called athanase, or where we get a word for asthma, we're out of breath. Confess your infirmities one to another in order for you to be healed. So the question is this, before we go very far into this short sermon this morning, that have we ever, the very first thing that we were born in, in in a sense of opposition to God, Romans 5 and 12, until that his Holy Spirit come into our life and we realize that we have been a rat all of our life. And then at that moment, at, at, a, at a heart of repentance, we say, God, I confess to you my sin and, and all this mess and I give it to you. And I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And at that moment, Romans 9 and 10, that we're saved. And once and for all, we're saved. But there's another step to that. And next week, we'll really get to the step. But have you ever crossed a line against someone else? Please do not say amen. Have you ever did anything that needed to be forgiven by someone else? Whether it be an unkind word or a hateful look or a distasteful glare or waving at someone only with one finger, and you can just pick whatever finger you want to. Leaving the church parking lot. And now then you find yourself at the nace, asthmatic, out of breath, barely getting in the church door. Now you listen to me loud and clear because I may retire Sunday. Some of you years ago come in here with a lot of wind, a lot of hot wind, but a lot of wind and fire and and enthusiasm and and you have strength for the day. But because that we made it a lifestyle of hurting other people and crossing lines with other people without asking for forgiveness, you have now had an infirmity or asthma. Let me clarify this for you. The word breath, wind, and air is all the same word with God. Ruach. And when I say the word breath and wind and air, it is the wind of God. It's possible for you to be sitting here today and gasping for the air of God. Does anybody here have asthma? This is not a loaded question. Do you? You got asthma? How fun is that? I wonder right now people that are gasping for the air of God because that someone either has hurt you or you have hurt them and you've never asked for forgiveness and you have never forgiven them that has asked for it. Forgiveness always begins with a party who's been hurt. See, God didn't do anything. He forgave before you sinned. He put the animals in the garden as covering, as skins before sin ever occurred. God has the remedy for you before you even do a dumb thing. So some of you are barely here. Some of you are gasping for air. Some of you are gasping for breath They say, well, if we had a different piano player, we'd be better. Probably so. If we just had a different preacher, I I think I'd feel better. Probably so. But that's not the problem. The problem is the reason why you're lethargic and now that you can barely get through your spiritual day is because one of two things, either you have not forgiven someone or you have imposed upon someone and never asked for forgiveness. And you wonder why we're in the condition that we're in. See, you should have stayed home like everybody else. You probably been better off. So dealing with James chapter 5, verse 16, he said that we need to confess. And so I call it three things. This is how I I put it. We need to admit it. We need to quit it. And we need to get on with it. James chapter 5, in my translation, you need to admit it. I've done something dumb. I'm going to quit it. I'm going to stop doing that. And number three, I'm going to get on with it. I'm not going to drag it around like a sack of, of dead bones. You see, forgiveness is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like oil um, that keeps our moving parts free from rust and being locked up. Anybody here beside me ever watched the Wizard of Oz? That guy, the tin man, that guy, what did he carry with him? Can of oil. The tin man was smart enough to know that in rain or a lot of tears that he shed, that he was made of a material that if he wasn't careful in the, in the right elements condition, that he would begin to lock up and rust up. And so that's why he carried oil around. And when he could not oil himself, we found out somewhere that someone helped him with the can of oil. Matter of fact, next Sunday, we're going to replay the whole wish of Oz. So come on. Huh? <laughs> We're all here in lollipop. Well, we'll let Don Dixon lead us in that song. <laughs> Learning to carry around a can of spiritual WD-40 is very important in your life. You need the oil of God because the oil of God will keep freeness and movement in your spiritual man. Because you're surrounded by people that their whole objective is to get you locked up. They, they know what button to mash. Because you tell them. You, you don't tell them personally, but you confess it driving down the road. And this is what you say. You say, I can, and you call it prayer. It's not really praying, it's griping. I mean, you say this. God, I'll tell you one thing. I can tolerate everybody in that section, but the first time somebody comes over and talks about the way I comb my hair, I'm fixing to give them peace of my mind. And guess what? Sunday morning, somebody says, I don't like the way you cut your hair. You know what happens is your enemy hears your confession. You need to carry around the oil of forgiveness in your life. I said, you need to carry around a... 55-gallon barrel drum of oil in your life every day because every day somebody will trespass against you. Somebody will do something against you and their whole motive is to lock up and seize up the machinery that God has assembled in your life. So here's a short story to kind of prove this point several years ago that that the church said, "Listen, we're going to buy you a computer and uh, they bought me a computer, and this is twenty five years ago to kind of help me with my studies because i'm I think I'm dyslexic and a d d and the rest of the alphabetic letters and and so they bought me a computer, had maps and lexicons and all kinds of study guides, and gala downloaded for me and uh, it, it it really worked great I mean. It was weird 25 years ago, but it worked great. And the weeks went by, and I began to notice little by little that the computer started getting a little bit slower. And, and so, if you're anything like me, if, the, if it starts getting slower, you learn to hit the button harder. <clears throat> why is that? When the remote batteries go low, why is it that we think mashing harder will work? I don't even know what kind of computer it was. I don't even know where they got it. I have no idea. I know nothing about anything. I've had computers in my office, and they've never been turned on. Really? So it worked great for a while. Then little by little, the weeks went by, then it got a little slower. Then I turned it on one time, and and it kind of spit at me. I thought, what in the world was that? And then it started sputtering, and then it would go off and on and in and out, and then before long, it just quit. So I did what every godly man would do. I would... I screamed at volume 11 for my wife to come. Said, now, she's smart. And I, and I did. I, I, I slammed my fist on the desk, and I said, what, a cheap pile of parts? Well, I was mad. Whatever it cost, I mean, it, we didn't have the money to buy it. And I said, this computer should have lasted more than four months. And I did. I, I said, I demand. I want my money back. I know my wife kept a receipt. Don't ever give me a receipt, but my wife kept the receipt. And so she couldn't get it to work, and I sure enough wasn't going to mess with it. So I called JJ. Had a meal. He was Exxon's computer guy. He's a whiz at it. And so he come over one day after work, and he come in. And I said, I need you looking for this. So the boys now know why, but the boys was gathering. I said, give the guy some air, kind of like a, a surgery team. Give the guy some air here. <coughs> so JJ, he sat down there and, He turned it on and he mashed a couple buttons and he kind of groaned about twice. He turned his hat around backwards. He opened up a couple boxes and I saw some blinking lights and then he said something in Spanish. I don't know what that was. And then he said, he said, uh, pastor, he said, you want to come look at this? And I said, what is this? And now the boys have left the house. And he said, there's nothing wrong with your computer. It's just full. And I said, full of what? And he said, full of junk stuff. And first of all, I thought, now what kind of guy would be so rude and so bold to call Bible stuff junk? I didn't say that to him personally, but I thought that. And I said, what kind of junk? And evidently, one or all three of my children, including the guy in the back, downloaded everything from how to make cupcakes to build your own two-man nuclear submarine in the garage. (laughs) And I'm looking at just pages and pages and pages. and And he said, it's overloaded. The doctor diagnosed, he said, it's too much stuff. So I'm looking at him. I said, so what can we do? And this is exactly what he said. He said, we can forgive the content. And I said, do what? And he said, I mean, we can delete it. We can just send it all away. We can get rid of all the stuff in here that you don't need or want. We'll just let it go. And I said, then let it go. And one by one, it took him a while. Matter of fact, uh, Gayla was fixing beans and cornbread. I don't know why it took that long, but he stayed and ate dinner and dessert, homemade cobbler, but it took a while for him to... And one by one, JJ deleted all the unnecessarily and all wanted junk on my computer in a matter of just a few minutes my computer was good as new. Imagine that. It just got overloaded. It just got bogged down with stuff until one day it just quit. I'm here to tell you this morning that forgiveness is a wonderful healer and in your daily routine, by getting your feelings hurt by the words of others or the actions of unkind people, it may not seem like a big deal at the moment. But one by one, multiplied times a thousand, those words can and they will clog our ability to function as a Christian with a pure heart. I know from experience, hateful remarks, unkind gestures, gossip, ridiculement, those unkind words that are being played over and over in the banks of your mind until one day you wake up and you become a little sluggish spiritually. You become a little slow getting out of bed to come to church you push your Bible to the side and you turn the soap operas back on. And before long, you spit and you start sputtering until one day you just flat quit. Some of you may be here, but you quit. Too much stuff. Too many unkind words. Too many wrong actions against you. Too many F's on your report card. And you've accumulated all this stuff your whole life. And you're carrying around something that was never intended for you to carry. The Roman term for forgiveness, if you don't know this, it was a hunter's occupation. Where we get the word for forgive, all it was was used by the Romans. And it means to release a live animal from a trap. That's all it means. Now, I know them guys on TV will make this complicated, but the true word for the Romans was to release a live animal from a trap. Unforgiveness incarcerates you. Don't raise your hand but someone has hurt you. Somebody's wronged you. Somebody's done something to you. You've hurt someone. You've wronged someone. And I will tell you in that process that at the moment it wasn't a big deal, but replayed a thousand times for the last 25 years, something happens to you is to find yourself incarcerated and in prison while being fully alive behind bars you never intended to be behind. And there's one thing they can open the door and set you free, and it's called forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key. Not only asking for forgiveness, but here's the rule when you've hurt someone, not that you would, this section over here, probably, but when you hurt someone, the first thing you do is that you go to God and you say, I repent. I said something, I did something, I acted in a way, I behaved a way that is not indicative of you and I have brought reproach to your name. Forgive me, but it doesn't stop there. Now that you go to that person that you have hurt. And by doing so, it releases you from the trap. And just because, and and maybe I hurt your feelings. Maybe I hurt your feelings. God forbid I would ever hurt your feelings, but I'm sure I'm capable of it. And you come to me and say, hey, listen, you hurt my feelings, but I forgive you. And I I would say, well, I'm not going to forgive you. You're free from that responsibility. I'm the one that's still being incarcerated. So J.J. had it right. This body and this brain was designed to worship God, to honor God, to love God with all my heart, body, and soul. And through the years, I have allowed other people to follow documents and things in my mind, in my life, that I get to a place where I can't even function. I don't want to function anymore spiritually. And I can name you hundreds, and I can name you some here today. Oh, you're here. But you've been spitting and, you're, and you've shut down. So the idea is this, is that there, we, if we're not careful, we just get too much stuff in us. So here's the key. And the key is to forgive and ask for forgiveness. Because I will tell you, there's nothing like going through life having asthma And I'm not going to ask the question, has anybody here been incarcerated in jail? Yes, I knew that was coming. That ain't no life. Living in unforgiveness is no life. Being in prison is no life either through unforgiveness. And one of the greatest healers that I've ever experienced when people wrong me, or i wronged someone else, didn't mean to, is to ask for forgiveness and give those people forgiveness because God forgave me. Now, keep in mind, Jesus said, if your brother offends you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. There's nothing wrong when people you work with or people constantly harass you to say, that's enough of that. I've had enough of your gossip. I've had enough of your ill temper. I've had enough of your laziness. If you don't want to be here, there's about three double sets of doors. Don't let the door hit you when the Lord splits you. all I can tell you. That's the way I look at it. And that's why people are not running over one another to get in there. I understand that. But I will tell you, anytime someone would say, hey, you know what? I was in the wrong frame of mind. I'm sorry. It's my responsibility to forgive him or just let all that stuff go. And I will not drag it up again. So you have a legal right as a Christian. Jesus said, if your brother offends you, tell him, rebuke him, say, that's enough. I'm tired of that. I don't need to hear that. Quit cussing in front of me. Quit dragging that stuff in front of my mind. I don't need to see that. I don't need to hear that. Stop it. What would Jesus do? (laughs) Jesus threw him out of the temple. (laughs) What he did. But if he repents... Forgive him. Yes. So let me show you something this morning real quickly that uh, one of my favorite dealing with unforgiveness and, and what it can do to you. One of my favorite verses is, is this. It's found in it's 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. So, for this purpose... The Son of Man, or the Son of God, was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Leave that up there. So if I would ask you, Kyle, why was Jesus come to earth? The first thing you're going to say is to save us. Well, that's not exactly what it says right there. Now, it's the right answer. But he says for this purpose that Jesus, Son of God, was brought to this earth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So let me show you what the word destroy means. It's called luo. And it means to release, set free, loosen, or unravel. Now, now listen to this. The reason why Jesus was made manifest in the world that he might destroy. So when you see the word destroy, you, you get this idea that, that he's crushing his head. And, and I understand that concept. But when John puts this into words, he's telling you that it wasn't a past destroying act of Jesus dealing with the sin issue. He's telling you that the destroying occurs every day of our Christian life. Because here's the deal, that if Jesus destroyed Satan, then why am I still sinning? If Jesus destroyed sin and death in my life, then why do I still get hung up with stuff? And I know there's no one else in here except me and Virgil Gaither that deals with stuff on a regular basis. The rest of you are all perfect. So if he destroyed the works of the devil at Calvary, then why is it that we're still having trouble with our temper and, and dealing with other people? Because the word destroy doesn't mean to eradicate. It means to release. So so here's a short demonstration. Matthew wants to. Ron Edge, come here. Yes, sir. You're the only Ron J- Edge I know. I my wife? No, you're. <laughs> <laughs> come right up here. Come right here. Just stand right there. Yeah. Just stand right there. Now then, dealing with unforgiveness, if it's just one little thing, if it's just put your hands down there. Oh. Yes, sir. If 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 it hold on right there for me. Hold oh, right. yes, okay, yeah. sure. Let me get the back of if, it. If, if it's just one little thing in your life that's trying to tie you up, just one hateful thing. Someone says. You are a pain, you are a pain, and you'll always be a pain. You can break that. Break that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. No big deal. Not, big, yeah, not, we're not through with you. Oh. See, somebody says something to him in the second grade that you're ugly. He said, I want a second opinion. He said, well, you're really ugly or something like that. <laughs> but what happens when... Your enemy tries to... Remember what Luo means? To unravel? Listen to these words. Look at that screen right there. I wish you were never born. (laughs) Your phone. (laughs) Hit the music, Jordan. I wish you were never born. Marrying you was a mistake. As a father, you have failed. Do you really represent Christ in your Christian walk? I knew you would never make it. I hated you when we worked together. You're a hypocrite among all hypocrites. I wish you were dead. You'll split hell wide open. That's what unkind words and ill feelings does to every Christian That's alive today. The promises that was made here at the altar never was followed through. He said he wouldn't, but he did. She said, I will never, but she did. You promised to stay together and then the screen door slammed as, as you left one another. All these things begin to happen in our life. And Kyle, you'll find yourself, if you're not careful, one by one, these things that at the moment you could easily break, but now then, try that, big boy. <laughs> and even as simple and, and as funny as this sound, this is where 95 or 98% of us are here today. You're incarcerated. You're bound up. You're tied up. You're in bondage. You can't function. You're not free. And Jesus said, "For this reason that I came to the earth, Mark, to unravel you, to untie you." Being in a prison when you was 12 or 13 years old, You got more ink in you than you got blood. But he said, the reason that I came here is to free you from those devices. So now then, the Son of Man was made manifest that he would unravel, untie, and release a live animal from a trap. The Spirit of God this morning is here. There's three things dealing, there's three things dealing with forgiveness. Number one, just accept God's forgiveness for your life. Number two, forgive someone who has wronged you. And number three, above all, forgive yourself. And if you can do these three things in spite of living in an element that wants to wrap you up and lock you up and seize you up, carry around a can of forgiveness every day of your life because you're going to need it. And ask God by the Holy Spirit to help me every marriage that I perform. When the, what I'll say every time is this, be quick to forgive one another be quick to repent and be quick to forgive one another. So this morning, if you're like Brother Ron, if you're tied up, bound up, incarcerated, you feel like something has got you in a trap and it probably does, then there's a simple way out. Jesus brought the remedy. He said, for this purpose, that the Son of God was made manifest, that he would untie Unravel, release And loosen Those That were incarcerated By the devil You don't have to raise your hands Because we're quitting Has anybody ever hurt you? Has anybody ever Trespassed against you? Have you carried that around and can't get rid of it? Until you find out one day you wake up and you go, I'm not for sure if it's even worth it. I'm not for sure if I even want to go on with this thing. Here's the remedy. Accept God's forgiveness. Forgive someone who's wronged you and forgive yourself. Father, this morning that the central grace that we can experience on a day-to-day basis is forgiveness. Things that happened at the moment, it wasn't a big deal, whether it began in our childhood or in our teens or somebody trespassed and violated against us. There's young girls here that's probably been molested growing up. There's young boys here that have suffered great injuries to their mind and by predators of of individuals that want to do something more than to their body. They want to destroy their self-esteem and their mind. Something has happened to them as young men and young women that's been carried over into a marriage and it's crippled and hindered them and they find themselves being tied up and wrapped up and bound up and so they're just they can't even go through the motions anymore how do we get free from this father how can i get past that and you've given us the key forgiveness So I ask for you to forgive us this morning. If we have said or done anything that would not be pleasing to you, forgive us. This morning, if anyone has hurt us or offended us in any way, unkind words, hateful looks, I just forgive them. But help me to forgive myself. And help us this morning as we go through the process of the manifold grace of God that we will see you working in our life and to make us fully aware that you love us. So this morning, folks, that here's the lesson. Learn to forgive one another. It's the greatest Freeing and healing agent I've ever experienced. Just let it go. And you may say, well, Pastor, you don't know what they've done. I really don't care. Just let it go. Just let it go. Quit carrying that thing. Live life to your fullest. Learn from your mistakes. Quit blaming yourself. And let's move forward with God. And for these things, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're free this morning, give the Lord a praise offering this morning. I'm glad I'm free. Stand with me this morning. Turn about two people and say, listen, I don't care what you said about me. I love you. Yeah. Forgiveness. You'll thank me later. Instead of dodging people at the supermarket, just run for and give them a big old hug and they'll wonder what you're up to. (laughs) Quit hiding in the shadows. Quit hiding in the bushes. Come on out. God's got more grace than you've got sin. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Repent to one another that we can live in healing and divine health. Communion servers, if you'll please come this morning. This is the way that we do this. We just live in forgiveness. It's a great life. Jesus said with his disciples that night, and he took the bread and the cup and he lifted up the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is the last thing that he instituted for our lives. He said, now then I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And they took the bread together. And then he lifted up the cup and he said, this cup is, is symbolic of the lamb's blood that was shed placed in the shape of a cross. So too, my Father will take my blood in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And they took the cup together. So Father, this morning, as we take the cup and the bread, first of all, it's symbolic of asking once again forgiveness. And number two, learning how to forgive others. Let us never be the same as we walk in the manifold grace of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.